All right. Good evening, everyone. We are back with the Real Mamas of Modoc, and um, we have Mandy that you could hear. Hello, and of course, our ever favorite Jennifer. Whoop whoop whoop. Yep. And we're doing this a little weird today. Usually, we're in my office, and me and Mandy can see each other, but um. I am all the way down in Stanford, so we are using the internet to um, try to do this. So stay with us if we have any technical difficulties. We are still newbies at this. Um, we also today have a great guest. Ella used to work at Teach at the Crisis Center for many, many years and has a great knowledge about community resources and about abuse of all kinds. So thank you, Ella, for joining us. Hi, Ella. Hi. <laughs> so, Mandy, what happened to you this week? What's going on? What's new? Well, so... I'm sitting here out in the parking lot at Awana's, so I hope they don't think I'm a creeper or anything <laughs> hanging out in my car. <laughs> and um, uh, But so I actually have some interesting, you know, because we like to share a lot in here. We're obviously mamas and it, like weird things always happen to our kids, right? like that nobody else has had issues with or something like that and so it's just like sometimes that's when it's nice to be you know have the pediatrician that knows your kid so well or the same dentist you know so Shelby has been complaining and she is a very sensitive little soul <laughs> who has issues all the time like whether she's itchy she's itching all the time or she's just um you know, her, it seems like her senses are almost heightened, I feel, or she's just really emotional. I'm not really sure, but she has been complaining of like a sore tooth, same tooth every single day, every single time I brush her teeth. Doesn't happen when she eats, doesn't happen any other time, drinking, whatever, only when I brush her teeth and it's one tooth. And uh, and it gets to where she's crying over it. And so after about like a week of it, especially after last week's podcast, mm -hmm. <laughs> I decided, okay, better make an appointment because I'd hate for there to be a cavity or maybe it's just the, the sick because she's five and a half. Mm -hmm. Maybe the six year molars are coming in. But in the same sense, like I don't want to make my kids suffer with like a cavity if, you know, they don't need to. So then I made that appointment and then I made an appointment because she's just been having little downstairs hoo-ha problems too. And um, no matter what, and like I had that sensitivity when I was a kid too. I couldn't take bubble baths, you know, because there was like a allergic reaction type thing. Mm -hmm. Well, still we go there. Anyways, so we go to the doctor, we go to the dentist, we get all these things looked at, nothing. They couldn't find anything. They complimented me on how well her teeth are brushed. <laughs> and the only, like, he poked around and he, like, made her gums bleed. And she's like, nope, doesn't hurt. Nope, doesn't hurt. <laughs> and so then I was like, maybe you can brush her teeth and see if that hurts. And he's like, yeah, we're going to have to try that. So they got a toothbrush, started brushing her teeth. And she's like, yeah, that hurts. And he's like, I really don't know what to tell you. He's like, the x-rays are great. He's all the enamel is kind of thin, but not not enough to 
make any sensitivities like that is strange <laughs> they're like maybe trade you know change it up to the adult toothpaste so there's not as much like the sweetness the sugar rush to it mm-hmm. <sighs> so we did that and then the doctor like also nothing there there was no urinary tract infection something like that that I was worried about her having so we just made a fun trip to Klamath for nothing <laughs> <laughs> But we did enjoy our time together because she doesn't get a lot of the um, mommy-daughter time that she used to before her sister came along. So that was enjoyable. That's awesome. What about you, Jennifer? What are you doing right now? So like I said, I am in Stanford and I have an appointment tomorrow at Stanford University's hospital because um, a lot of people in the community probably know that my uncle is dealing with liver failure and needs to have a transplant. So I have started the process to be a living donor and to be evaluated to see if my liver will be um, big enough and healthy enough to give to him. So tomorrow is a massive day of a bunch of different tests. And hopefully on Tuesday we will know and be able to um, go forward with the surgery. Do you have to stay down there till Tuesday? No, I'm only down here till Saturday and then I'm coming home. But if everything goes well and we do surgery, then I will be down here for the surgery in the hospital for seven days and then have to be in the area for two to three weeks. Oh, wow. So we might be doing this uh, podcast distance, distance like for a while, huh? Yeah. And if everything works out in the positive, right? Right. And then um, I'll be off of work for six to eight weeks just for the healing to have my liver regenerate back to the full size. Wow. Yeah. That's all it takes? Yeah. They said like four to six weeks or whatever for your liver to go from 30% of the whole size to full full size again. Do you have to like have a special diet or do anything different? Um, not after you're fully um, healed, but during the process, you um, can't eat a lot because of the surgery. And there's a lot of like gas and stuff they say that you deal with. So there's a lot of uncomfortableness and you have to like snack like multiple times throughout the day of high protein and that kind of stuff. So it's going to be probably a lot of those nasty drinks that you have to drink. So no beer bingers? Oh, no, I won't be able to drink for two years, I think they said after this. <laughs> Holy cow. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm not a big drinker at all, but once they tell you you can't drink, man, <laughs> I really want like a martini or a margarita, something. Right? I'm like, damn it. Have you had to stop drinking now in order to do this process? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And I, I never was. Give give your uncle as healthy of a liver as you possibly can, huh? Yep. So that's interesting. But anyways, so I thought this topic was going to be a pretty cool one because Valentine's Day is this weekend. And um, I think okay. it's very common. And this month is also Teen Dieting Violence Month. Um, Ella, when is the wear orange or that day that you're supposed to wear a color? So if I remember correctly, I think it was yesterday. Oh, I, oh bummer. <laughs> I missed it. But um, 
you can wear like um what we're doing at the office that I'm working at is we're wearing orange on Fridays. Mm. Um so the whole month of of February we're going to wear we have an orange shirt and it's um it says one thing on it which happens to be um a program that ha- talks about teen dating violence. So we decided to wear those um on Fridays. So not tomorrow, but Friday will be sport and orange. Is it denim day this month? No, oh, denim day is in April. Oh, dang it. Okay. Like the last, the last Wednesday in April. Okay. So support teen dating violence and wear your orange this month in um, support. But um, we brought Ella on to kind of talk about um, dating violence emotional, physical, mental violence and how common that is in relationships and just, you know, talking about how it can be generational, um, how sometimes we don't even know we're in that type of relationship until it's too bad. Um, I know um, from my personal experience, Ella, like my mother has had abusive relationships upon abusive relationships upon abusive relationships. It's like she's in one. It's either physical or emotional. And then somehow she gets out and then she like looks for it again and just goes again. Is, is that normal with someone who goes through that type of relationship to keep seeking the same thing? Um, typically, yes. Um, it's a uh, trauma based. So, um, for her, it sounds like she's had a lot of, of trauma in the past and it's kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a, I, it's not normal, like, you know, but for her, that's her normal. It's her comfortability. That's where she's, she's used to being. And so she tends to be drawn, um, towards those types of relationships. Your mom- was your mom raised in that like did her parents you know or her mom were they like that I just kind of I think she did see some violence when she was younger so um, I know that the relationships she witnesses when she was growing up were not healthy kind of like me didn't think that it's normal or maybe maybe when I don't know like I've been thinking a lot about this today And it makes me question everything I do as a parent, you know, Mm -hmm. because I want to make sure that my daughters don't end up in any sort of abusive relationship. And also, I mean, they're very strong-willed girls. I don't want them to turn out to be an abuser in a relationship. Right. Um, Ella, is there any recommendations for us as parents, like what we can try to do so that our kids either don't become a victim or don't become the victimizer? So really the key to any um, relationships is showing them what a healthy relationship is. So they need to make sure that um, they know that no means no. Um, Doesn't matter what it, what it is. If, if somebody says no, they're not comfortable. That means that they're not comfortable. Don't press that situation. Also, like finding healthy coping mechanisms because we all have stress. I, I mean, I just I go to work. I deal with 
other people's stressful situations. And I'm, you know, to try to keep that from coming back home, um, having uh, coping with things. For myself, I cope with music. So um, my music kind of determines my mood. So if I'm really mad because I had a really bad day, I'm going to listen to some really angry music. I'm going to get it out on my way home, on my drive. I might sit out in the car for a little longer. Um, Or some people like to write or have like a hobby that they do. So making sure that you have a really healthy coping mechanism. Um, I know for myself, when I was younger, I used to have some anger issues and I just wanted to hit and break things. I was just, that's how I dealt with, with my um, aggression because as, as a child, I was actually sexually um, molested by my stepfather. So with that, like, you, it's hard, it's hard to cope. And so, um, one thing I really turned to turn towards is music because that was like my only outlet that where, um, I could get it out or I would just write down if I was angry, I'd write down what was making me angry. And then I'd rip it up because then I wrote it down. I saw it, I visualized it. I tore it up because I'm no longer angry. So I could get rid of that. So, um, making sure you have just teaching your children, um, healthy coping mechanisms and also teaching them like what a healthy relationship is. So making sure that in, in a relationship that they respect each other, but they also respect themselves. And that means setting boundaries. That's a huge, huge important thing that, um, that we don't teach our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not exactly sure where that is. So um, I noticed, I just did uh, a teen dating violence at the high school here in Lakeview. And I only did three, I only had like, I think 40, like 44 kids. Um, and I did a little healthy relationship quiz before I even went there. And like 75% of them have really unhealthy relationships. Wow. And so I was really alarmed at that. Only like two of them had like a really perfect relationship where they, their partner respected them. They respect their partner. Um, Sorry, I have a I have some little notes here that I was jotting down. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like I w- I also have questions about like obviously this is teen dating violence. I have questions about that, but I don't want to if keep going. So yeah. then I'll ask. <laughs> um, let's see here. Where am I? To- Got to read my chicken scratch over here. <laughs> um, you said you were in Lakeview, and they had. Um, like the majority of them were bad relationships. Do you think that's the area? Um, no, it's it's not necessarily that they have bad relationships. It's just their warning signs were really high. Um, really? Um, so like their partners were texting them all the time. Like, where are you? What are you doing? Who are you with? And not giving them like some, that space that they need like with um, their families or with their own set of friends. Um, some of them... Um, their, their partners um, were kind of keeping them from their families or their friends. Wow. Um, they, they don't respect boundaries. So if somebody said they're uncomfortable, um, their partner would be like, oh, well, if you loved me, you would do this. Oh, uh, I had that. Like the mind games with them. Um, some of them even had um, – basically been told it like if what was one of the ones that stood out like one of them said um 
if you don't do this for me, then I'm going to tell everybody um, that we had sex, even though they didn't. But they Aww. were just, just tell everybody that. Yeah, that's um, super, super bad yeah. sign. But and and sometimes there's there's even even in teens they do have um, like some economic like financial abuse there. So um, maybe the maybe one partner has a job after school, um, and their partner's like, "Well, you need to quit your job. I can take care of us." When really that job is to help them maybe go to school. Maybe that's how they get to and from school as they work to put fuel in their car or sometimes it's, they're even helping parents pay bills, especially now with COVID and everything that's hit. So um, telling them that they don't need to do that. I'll just take care of you. Basically they're trying to make them dependent on, on the other partner. Where um, in some cases a girl probably thinks like, sweet, you know, he wants to take care of me, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not. Yeah. I feel like so it's different when you reach a certain point, like, in your marriage or something to where you financially can not work and raise your family mm-hmm. like as a choice together that you can make that not as just somebody saying you don't need to work because I you know yeah I don't like asking for money yeah asking <laughs> you know here, that is for me that is like it's like pulling teeth to do it and then and um I don't like to do it, but also knowing that I have somebody that if I was to ask that and they wouldn't judge me for it or be like, no, you can't have that. Like there's like no strings attached. Like I will help you. You help me, Um, you know, not quid pro quo, but, you know, just we're we're here to help each other. Um, Yeah. You're not forcing each other having some type of control over the other person. Exactly. Like I, like I know that if I need it, he'll help me. And I know if he needs it, I will help him as long as I'm able to. Um, but also making sure that, that each person is comfortable enough to talk to their partner about things. So, um, what just anybody needs to know is you need to be able to be open and honest with whoever you're with. Um, so they need to know, what you're comfortable with, how far you're willing to go, but also to know that you're going to have boundaries. So like for me, I have my own time. You have your own time. And then we have we time mm-hmm. um, and partner needs to respect that. Now it comes like if a partner is spending most of their time with their friends and they're kind of blowing you off, obviously you're not one of the more important parts of aspects of their life. So maybe that's something that you can talk to them with and evaluate but anything that happens, you should be able to talk with your partner. So if you're feeling uncomfortable or you're, um, you know, maybe you're feeling sad, maybe you're upset and your partner's telling you, well, it doesn't matter. You don't have no reason to be upset. I don't understand why you're upset. That They're just kind of writing off your feelings and that's not okay. That's not a healthy um, aspect to a relationship. And that can cause other um, issues to arise. Um, one, uh, There's a website that for teens... Uh, teen teens uh, that I really love, and it also helps with um, adults. With, um, love is respect. Love is respect. dot org, mm-hmm. um, and they have they actually have a healthy relationship quiz on there, and it's electronic, so you can like type in like even for yourself. I did it for myself, and and it asks you um, certain questions um, like about your about your relationship. I'm going to see if I can find it so I can ask a couple, just show you some of the questions that they ask. 
Yeah, I wrote that down so we can stick it up on our um, when we post our podcast so that people can go visit it if they want to. Yeah, Perfect. for sure. And a lot of these things that Ella is saying, like um, spending too much time together, not being allowed to spend time with your friends, like those are not just related to teens. Like that can be in an adult relationship. When someone's trying to isolate you away from family, friends, um, that can be like the first sign that things are not healthy. This and and you know, I think it's really important. Like there is, they always talk about that little inner voice that you have in your head. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of times we kind of push it aside and we don't listen to it. And then, you know, you come back to it a year later or two years after that relationship's over or that situation's over. And you're like, wait a second, I saw warning signs, but I did not pay attention to them. And I think we need to listen to that inner voice, especially women like if you hear something telling you like, hey, something's not right, don't push it aside. Please talk to somebody about it or listen to it because it's probably there is something to it. Exactly. So um, I found this, I find this interesting. There's a little, um, it's a relation a relationship spectrum on here. So like for the healthy ones, this is a healthy relationship means both you and your partner um, are communicating and not only are they communicating, but you're understanding um, a huge part is a misunderstanding. So I can talk to you all I want. That doesn't necessarily mean we're communicating because if you're not understanding what I'm trying to communicate, communication gets lost and yeah. um, that creates a lot of issues. Um, also being maybe I have to draw pictures for each other sometimes because mm -hmm. we don't understand. Like mm -hmm. we get in so many arguments and it's because I think we should do that this way, you know, say build a fence or something. And mm -hmm. he totally disagrees. And then once we like actually draw a picture or something, he's like, oh, it was, we were talking about the same exact thing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I feel like misunderstanding is huge. They don't think the way we think. Mm -mm. It, exactly. Sometimes you have to, like you said, draw it out, write it out. And, and um, so making sure that what you're communicating is being understood is important. Um, being respectful. So that not only being respectful to your partner, but also being respectful to yourself. If your partner's asking you to do things that go against like your values or who you are, talk with your partner, say, Hey, I don't, that's not okay. I, I don't feel comfortable with this. And you should be able to do that. And your partner should respect, um, respect that for you and vice versa. You should respect your partner. If they're not comfortable with something that you're asking them to do, um, uh, trust. Trust is a really um, a big thing. Trust is hard to get back once it's lost. Um, so just making sure that you're being open and, and honest with yourself and your partner will really help keep that trust um, there. Um, Ella, how does that, how do you have any hints or guidelines? Cause I know a lot of relationships you get burned and you don't trust that person. And then going into the next relationship, you can pull all that baggage and all that drama of trust into your, mm -hmm. your lack of trust into your next relationship. So do you have any, um, help for the listeners about how to maybe like drop that old baggage and try to trust again? Um, so first off, counseling is, I know there's a stigma on counseling, but counseling is really helpful um, because you get a chance to 
um, talk about why you're having these issues and, and kind of resolve them that way. So number one, I would say, I would suggest a counseling, um, because really counselors aren't going to judge you for what, whatever your reason is. So it'll give you a chance to understand, um, sometimes talking out loud helps you understand where you're at. Um, also don't let your guard down, but make sure you have boundaries. So having a boundary on on that will help. So maybe maybe your partner, um, maybe your ex cheated on you. So when your new partner is texting or or you know sending stuff to to other people of the opposite sex, things like that, and you're uncomfortable with it, that should be you should be able to talk with them and and let them know that that's that's an issue with you that you're working on but maybe they could help you, um, with it. So, um, really just being open and honest. That's, that's my best, um, that and now, are the best would be the best. I think. Is there anything that you can do early on to find out if you're in an abusive relationship or, you know, because to think about the way that I was kind of thinking, like, once you're in a relationship for a year or so, you've invested a lot and you have, you know, especially in adult relationships, you've probably moved in together, you've gotten things in each other's names, and it's not just a clean break. Like it could be in high school to where you could just, you know, call it off, which is also hard, though, because especially in a small school, you know, there's you're going to see each other every day. It's not like a bigger school where you can say, see you later, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know these people, but like, is there something that you could kind of, instead of getting broke down slowly throughout that year or something, say, you know, I want to make sure I'm in a healthy relationship at all times. What can I do to kind of test them maybe, or any signs that I can see? Um. So I'm going to give you some healthy signs that, that are on here. So an unhealthy sign doesn't necessarily mean it's abuse, but it could be leading up to that. So it's just something to be mindful of, um, or as we call them, like a red flag. So um, if you're pressured to, into doing things that you're not comfortable with, maybe your partner is really wanting to know like where you are at all times. You have to check in with them. They don't believe that you are where, where you are with who you say, and they're like, hey, send me a message. Like, take a picture right now where you're at. Mm-hmm. So I know. <laughs> like. And, and part of that, that could just be an insecurity, as we were talking about earlier, from a past right. relationship, but that they're bringing into this current one. And and you need to make sure that, that that's something you're like, hey, like I don't have to tell you where I am all of the time. But um, as a respect, sometimes it's nice, like if you're traveling, to be like, hey, I made it. Um, just so that way your partner's not worried. Because sometimes right. that can be a worrisome, too. So if you're not worried about it, just be like, hey, I made it to wherever. Um, only spending time together. That's another one where they only, we can only spend time together. I don't want you hanging out with anybody else. Like, Yeah, that's huge. Like that's, that's, that could be also, like I said, an insecurity that they have from a past relationship that they're bringing in. But that's also a red flag um, because it kind of feels really controlling in, and you don't want one person to have all of the control in a relationship. It's it's give and take some days. Some days I'm an 80, some days I'm a 20. It just kind of depends. Um, so making sure that there is give and take together and that you um, 
you have that boundary of, of I'm going to hang out with my, like maybe I'm going to hang out with my sister today. We can watch a movie later. So you're, you're kind of balancing the two. But like as a parent and you have a teenager kind of in that situation where you see that they're like, I feel like new relationships, they spend all this time together anyways. Mm-hmm. Like as a parent, would that be one way of saying like, Hey, you need to spend family time today, you know, yeah. to kind of. Yeah. Kind of like help them and, and maybe just be like, Hey, so I know you guys are spending a lot of time together. It's new. It's fun, but you need to make sure there is a boundary there. So that could be, that could be, you know, you need to take some time and, and spend some time with your family. You can sp- still spend time with them later, but right now it's family time. Um, and it's also teaching them a boundary that, that they don't have to be together 24 seven to have something good. Um, right. So, so you can kind of take that as, as um, a learning experience for both ways, learning boundaries, but also um learning to stay healthy. It's not healthy for people to be together 24 seven. I think COVID has really taught a lot of people that, that it's, really hard. <laughs> you know, like you may love somebody a lot, but you still like, even if it's just to go outside, like you need a minute to just yes. gather yourself. Um, so it's just important to, to be honest with yourself and, and with your kids on that part. Um, Cause I know, I know for me, there's been times that I'm like, I just need a minute. Like mm-hmm. everybody just, be quiet. I'm going outside. Don't ask me for anything. I just need a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's typically when I'm about to lose, lose it really, to be honest. And so I need that, that space, that time. I love, um, I love the boundaries thing because we can teach that early, early on. I like, I've seen this on Facebook recently and I didn't think about it until now, but you know, when our children are little, we're always like, go give auntie a hug, go tell them and you love them. And the kids will be like, no, no, no. And you're like, go do it. Go, go, go. And, (laughs) and, and, and you know what? We shouldn't be doing that. We should be teaching them, you know, that it is okay if you don't feel comfortable giving a hug to such and such, even if they are dad or mom or sister or brother, that it's okay if you don't want to. And I mean, I don't think, I don't think being raised or even in our culture or in our environment that we ever really thought about that. It was always like, oh, that's cute. She should give him a hug or a kiss, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, we Mm -hmm. definitely allow those kids, even at that age, to have that boundary. I actually remember reading that, like when Shelby was little. And I, so I always, she was not a hugger. She did not especially like men. And so and I remember thinking, oh, you're going to like break your papa's heart because you're not giving him a hug. Like all he wants is a hug. And so I was like, OK, you don't have to give him a hug, but you've got to be nice to him. Like you can't be like, no, papa. You can just be like, how about a high five instead? Or how about we blow a kiss? Like something that you're comfortable with, but you've got to be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's teaching them that, that at that age is really crucial because if you're telling them they have to do this, they're going to feel obligated. Yeah. And then also at some point, maybe they won't feel comfortable enough to talk to you about it because like, well, you made me do that as you know, it's always right. that and maybe there's something going on there that they don't, they don't want to tell you, but maybe that's a, that's, you know, something's happened or just for themselves. They don't, they don't want that. That's, uncomfortable yeah. sounds like a whole new podcast uh, episode here that we could talk about too <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 
So really, like, really, the basis of a healthy relationship and, and a healthy boundary is is it falls on the parents or you know people that your children interact with every day because really, where are they learning? They're learning from the people that they, the adults that they're around every day. And if we're not teaching them these healthy boundaries um, of, like you said, like maybe, maybe blow them a kiss, maybe a high five, maybe just saying, see you later is that's okay. And, and teaching them that that's okay, that they have a choice in that. Um, to, so everybody feels comfortable is important. And sometimes our families will be like, oh, come on, just do it. And, and it's up to us to be like, you know, they're not comfortable with that. And maybe having that conversation with our families, like, you know, I know that that's what you want, but I also need to, to teach my child that it's okay to set a boundary and that it's not a boundary that's hurting anybody. It's just so that they're comfortable. If they want to give you a hug later on, that's fine. But right now, maybe it's not a good time. Maybe they're having a bad day and they just, you know, we all have bad days. Right. We all have where I don't want to be around anybody. I don't talk to anybody. I don't want to give anybody a hug, kiss, nothing. I just stay away from me. And and maybe that's where they're at. And we're not giving them the opportunity to, um, not giving them the opportunity to express themselves, um, and, and stay healthy for themselves. Right. And, um, and we're sitting there teaching our children that, um, in like high school that, you know, you are not obligated to you know, give your partner sex for them to love you. But as a kid, we're saying, wait a second, you need to give your papa a hug to tell him you love him. You need to. But yet when they grow up, we're like, whoa, 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 no, no, slow down. Back up. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. So we're kind of, I think what's happening is, is, you know, every day we're learning something new. And, and maybe the ways that we were taught weren't necessarily bad, but they weren't necessarily the right way. Um, and now that we're figuring out that there's different ways to teach people these, um, you know, and teach our kids this stuff that, you know, it's, it's hard. It's always changing. But um, just trying to be mindful of that kind of thing and teaching boundaries, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll, it'll really help. That way, when we have those conversations, when our children decide to start having sex and, you know, doing all the things that we all did, our child will feel comfortable enough to talk with us about it because we've, we've been there. We've explained things. We, you know, not judging them for choices that they've made, but maybe teaching, taking those opportunities to teach them some, a different way. Um, So talking about sex is really hard with our kids because they're like, well, they asked me to, I didn't want to, but I did because Mm -hmm. they're confused. I think we're, um, kind of confusing them right is is understand is we're we're starting to confuse them because we're telling them you do this because that's how you show affection so that's but, another question that i kind of had on that subject was like obviously we want to keep that line of communication open with our kids so that when they get to that point they're willing to talk to us but like you can't just start it when they're teenagers because that's like the most awkward time mm-hmm. and so I don't know. Like my, my kids right now, I ask them, how was your day? What'd you do at school? Nothing. I don't know. You know, so it's like, unless you know what's going on and pull it out of them. I mean, the conversations are hard anyways, every day. How do I keep, how do I make that better? So just from my own personal experience, um, I have, I have a six-year-old or a six-year-old. I don't even know why I said that. She's going to be so mad at me if she hears that. She's almost eight, actually. <laughs> Ella. <laughs> Ella. 
<laughs> for whatever reason, but she's almost eight. Hopefully she didn't hear me. But anyway, so, um, her dad and I, a year ago, we, we um, broke up when we were no longer together. Um, so she's having a really hard time with that. So I never force her to talk about things. And I, I mean, I mean, I ask her about certain things, you know, or, you know, like, Hey, what'd you do? How, you know, did you do anything fun? You know? And then, and when she tells me, I'm always like, well, that's cool. And I, and I, I don't, I don't make her feel judged. I don't want her to feel judged by what they, what she does with her, with her dad, because really, I just hope that they're having a good time. And, you know, um, so just leaving I don't it. I want her to not tell you someday because she doesn't want to upset to how your reaction is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I don't, and I don't want this. So making sure that you, you know, if your children do tell you something that maybe isn't real great, that you don't overreact on it and that you let them know, like, thank you for telling me. And, and you take that opportunity to. But it's, it's so important that we have these like open communications, not with just our kids, but with our significant others. And, um, and even know that like, the obligations that we were talking about earlier, like even if you're married or in a relationship that's committed, you're not obligated to anything. Even though you're in a relationship, if you don't feel like having sex or you don't feel like talking at that moment, you don't have to, but you do need to respect one another to not like physically make them tell you or you know, make them feel less of a person because they're not giving you sex or they're not talking to you or, you know, whatever it is. But the open communication is very, I think is super important to like all of this. It sounds like the baseline to everything is having that healthy, open communication. Uh, yep. Really, it really, it really is because, you know, like making sure like if your partner's having a bad day, like you should tell your partner, Hey, I'm not feeling like talking, like, I'm sorry, but I don't want to talk. And that's, that's what I do. Like if I'm had, I've had a rough day um, because of my own trauma or whatever that's going on, or somebody else's trauma has gotten to me. Um, like I'll just be like, you know, I'm, look, I'm having a bad day. Mm -hmm. Just please don't talk. I'll talk to you when I'm ready. You know? Um, or if you notice your partner's having a bad day, just be like, Hey, is everything okay? Or your kid, you know, if your child's, acting different just like hey is everything okay and just you know leaving it up to them to you you opened up that line of communication and it's up to them to meet you the other part of that way when they're when they're ready and comfortable sometimes they'll be like nope i'm okay and be like all right and just kind of leave it at that mm -hmm. but you know making sure that you're you're communicating your needs and respecting your partner's needs um and making sure you're both understanding those and with that comes your trust and your honesty um and, and, um, really the basis of your healthy relationships. Um, so some things like that happen with like violence, cause we didn't really talk about like the abuse part of it. Right. Um, so there, so there's that power and control wheel. Um, so, you know, using coercion, if I can say it right. And threats. So, you know, making or carrying out threats. So maybe like, if you don't do this, I'm going to do that. Like I said, where the ones like, if you don't have sex with me, I'm going to just tell everybody we did. Well, that didn't happen, but now I'm going to tell everybody. So the, who are they going to believe me or you? Right. Or um, release those naked photos or whatever. Yeah, yeah, ex 
Exactly. Um, you know, threatening to leave because maybe they're not comfortable, you know, kissing. Well, if that's all that you're looking for, then a relationship probably isn't really a good one for you. You, you should probably reevaluate yourself at that point. Um, uh, or threatening to commit suicide. That happens a lot. Um, yes. where, where they use, you know, well, I might as well just kill myself. Yeah, if I can't be with you, then I'm not going to be with anybody. Or the other way, if you're not with me, you're not going to be with anybody. Yep, exactly. And so, like, with those, um, it's really important at that point to be like, that's on them. That's not me. That's that's them. Um, and I, know I had a boyfriend in high school take a, like, pistol or shotgun. I don't know what it was on the phone with me and this is back before cell phones you know and he shot it <gasps> he said something like I love you and can't live without you or something like that and he shot it and I was like you mother effer I can hear you breathing I was so mad because like don't put oh, that on me no you know oh I was so angry yeah, I lost I lost all trust in him after that you know I realized that he was a very immature very selfish person. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like he needed some help. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, and that's the really hard thing is, is when they say those kind of things, we kind of, they put the blame on us or the guilt on us. And then, because that's how we feel like, Oh, it really is our fault. It's not our fault. It's not our, it is not our job to fix them. people. We can't fix them. They have to fix themselves and they are responsible for their own actions. So we are responsible for us and they are responsible for them. And nothing that you do is going to make them kill themselves. You didn't, you didn't make them kill themselves or threaten to kill themselves. That is, that is them. Right. Um, so if you find that you are the abuser and you're, you know, the one that's doing these mind trips on, you know, you find it in every relationship that you just are almost just a habit, you know, and you realize maybe one day that, oh, okay, maybe the fifth girlfriend or the fifth boyfriend that I've had, you know, I've done this too. And it just kind of like finally dawns on you. Is there something that you can do to like change that behavior or like, is it just who you are? <laughs> well, I, I believe that anybody can change if they want to, um, and, and so with that part, if you are realizing that like, hey, maybe I'm the problem and you're kind of evaluating things, um, that's a first step in, in recognizing that you may be the problem. So just being mindful of the things that you tend to do. Um, so maybe maybe your thing is you're really insecure. So you always want to know like where your partner is, who they're with. So in that part, maybe just be like, hey, so I'm I'm going through some stuff. Like I have my, this is my insecurity and, you know, it would just be really helpful for me to get past this. If, if you're going on a trip, you just text me, or if you're out with your friends, just text me every once in a while. Let me know you're okay. Those kind of things. Um, because then you're being that open, you're being open and honest with them. And that don't get angry if they don't text you. Exactly. So maybe if you're sitting there getting angry, maybe write it out. Like why you're getting angry. And, and then, like I said, like for me, just you're okay. So I'm done with that. I'm going to rip it up. I'm going to shut it. I'm going to burn it, whatever. Don't burn down your house. Just, you know, <laughs> things like that. But, you know, just getting it out there. And, and, and even in that, t- at that point, um, 
maybe look back through your trauma because a lot of the, a lot of abuse, not to excuse or, or, you know, make it okay. Um, but a lot of abusers tend to have some sort of childhood abuse or have witnessed childhood abuse. Um, now, like I said, I'm not excusing that, but in those things, maybe, maybe take some time and do some counseling because you have to some things that you really need to work on. So if you're an abuser and you're realizing this kind of thing, you know, counseling is really important at that point. So um, you can move forward and, and stop being stuck in this loop. Most, most of the time an abuser wasn't always an abuser. They were abused. And then that's just, that's what they know. And they don't know how to get out of that cycle. So they just, it's up to them to break it. And so, you know, just knowing yourself, being honest with yourself at that point and what you need um, is important. So almost like you, you so, learn habits, learned, um, learned routines, the, you know, someone's not born a batterer or an abuser. It is something that they had to learn. So they do have the chance of unlearning that behavior or routine or reaction. And I know that at mental health, we have a batterer's group if if that ever happens, right? But do they have to actually be charged with domestic violence to be in that group? Do you know? Um, I'm not 100% sure um, on that one. I'd have to find out. Um, the only people that I have that I know of or experience that have experienced the batters have been um, court-ordered. But I'm sure that there is, it's. So what is that? How does that work? Um, like once they are, you know, obviously convicted or something, like does it, how does that class work? I, I, um, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I know it's like, I believe it's like a 52 week program that they have to do. Um, and I don't know exactly the ins and outs of it um, because we don't, we don't do it. Um but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just know it's a, it's a program I believe designed to help with like learning healthy coping skills. Mm -hmm. um, so when you are like learning your triggers, like this is what triggers me, but here's a coping skill. So that way maybe I don't, you know, instead of going and hitting my partner, I do this other healthy coping, you know, I, and I believe that's the whole idea behind the batter's intervention. Um, it, that's my understanding anyways. Yeah. I yeah, have to and, verify. But. So Jennifer and I actually have like an experience from way back when, um, right after high school. But um, what happens, say you have a friend that you know is an abusive relationship that she's, she's not really happy, but she feels obligated to be in this relationship. Um, and... How do you, what do you suggest like a friend to say or do? Because let me tell you, the way I, I had this happen, right, Jennifer? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it worked out that I lost a friend for a while until, um, until later when um, she saw him for what he was. But I lost her. She didn't believe me. He told her that I was a liar and that you know, I was trying to ruin their relationship. 
which yeah you treat my friend like a piece of crap of course I'm trying to ruin your relationship <laughs> but I wasn't lying either and I fear feel like that's a huge fear you know for friends to to say hey I'm worried about you and I think you need help what's what do you suggest sir um Hold on one second. My daughter is crying. I'll be right back. Okay. I will answer your question. <laughs> you remember that situation, Jennifer? <laughs> yes, I do now that you said that. I was taking a minute going, what are we talking yeah. about? But, you know, like, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a professional, but I think, um, you know, until they're ready to see what that is, then they're, mm-hmm. they're going to have their own reactions until they're ready to see it. You know, um, when we did this podcast, and at least then I can be that friend that said, I told you (laughs) (laughs) instead of, because like I do, I'm a protective friend and I want, you know, I, I want to make sure that my friends are okay. And I feel that, you know, the, we've kind of gotten off topic a lot, I think kind of here and there, but like in school and in high school and the tape dating violence and everything, you know, it's hard for them to even know because they don't know what a young brand new relationship is. Everybody's so excited and so involved and you just want to make out in the hallways every break that you get. And even that can get unhealthy, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think like a lot of what we were, you know, trying to talk about is like, you know, if we don't like, show this in the beginning when they're young, if they don't have those um, people to look up to with healthy relationships, then, you know, we're starting out horribly. And it is like the parents responsibility to kind of like be the first ones to look and say, okay, this is not healthy. This is not what I want my child to replicate. And it's so important, like I read somewhere, so important for parents who have daughters, a daughter who has a father that is abusive or not um, like very healthy relationship with the mother, that that daughter will grow up to seek out her partner to be the same as her father, even subconsciously not knowing it, even if she has a horrible relationship with her father. When we go to find that partner we want to find, we are looking for those kind of um, characteristics that that it's like a familiar, right? familiarity that they're looking for, mm-hmm. you know, almost a comfort. And sometimes I have to tell my husband that I'd be like, OK, hold on, look at yourself right this second. And I mean, I love my husband to death and I I don't want to say anything bad about him, but I'm like, you know, like he's right there next to you, isn't he? Well, he's in the the bathroom, (laughs) but I was like, I was like, you know, um, when you lose your temper or you say something like, I want you to think about that. Our daughter, Juliana is going to seek somebody that Mm -hmm. treats her that way. How you treat me is what she's going to look for when she grows up. And I think that's so empowering just for women, like to realize that, that who we choose is who our children are going to choose. Now, I know of a, a girl, well, a girl, a woman Mm -hmm. who got out of a really super abusive relationship 
um, actually here in Modoc. And she's got children. And she's got now what, you know, seems to be a super healthy relationship and everything. But how, Ella, since you're back, how do you think, like, what can she do to kind of break? Is there anything? Because I feel like these children are were old enough to be have this huge impression of this awful relationship that was really bad. Um, how do they... What can she do to kind of look out for any warning signs or maybe um, do to kind of nip it in the bud if she does see them? Like things with her, like things with her, things her. with her kid. Both, either, both, all of it. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I had to make sure that I'm, you know, all there. We had a meltdown about homework. Oh, oh yeah. Homework sucks. Yeah. We had a homework meltdown. Um, <laughs> so... Really just looking for, for signs like red red flags, like being aware of, of red flags in, in um in your relationship. So um so what are some red flags in like a a little kid? So sometimes a red flag is um kids tend to tell us they'll sometimes they'll act out. So um if they are there's something going on with them. A lot of times they'll act out and sometimes that's bad behavior. Um, but oft, also it can also be where they're excelling. Just really? Well, yeah. Sometimes it does not always, but there it's, it's really hard um, to kind of distinguish that, but they tend to be at that point, like, like I guess more of like a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. They're trying to please everybody. Um so that means like excelling, like I'm, I'm going to make my, my mom really, really happy. I'm going to, I'm just going to be really good at school or, or maybe they're just, you oh, know, taking the attention away from them. If they excel, then that's less of a chance that dad's going to take it out on them. And then they're kind mm-hmm. of skating along without anybody looking at them. Hmm. And I think like we need to talk about too, is like, we haven't, we've, t- most of this stuff is emotional abuse and that's the stuff that doesn't get reported. It's not the stuff that the cops are called on. It's nothing. It's just the way of like breaking you down and it happens with men and it happens with Me. women and it just tears you apart like brick by brick until really there's nothing left, but there's also like physical abuse and you know, that's the one we hear more about. We hear more about the um, women or men. It happens in both. Well, because you can see that. You can see mm-hmm. you know, the black eye or, um, but even women can be the emotional abusers or physical abusers. But, you know, like the, she, Ella was saying earlier with the um, cutting off from your family and friends, Um if you notice that all of a sudden your kid is, you know, not allowed to hang out with their friends because their boyfriend doesn't want them to, or, you know, in our family, we had a situation where someone wasn't allowed to hang out with us anymore, come to family get togethers. And it was, uh, you know, there was so many different things too. It was a lot of emotional um, abuse there. But that was the biggest thing that everybody noticed. 
And the and bad, um, the bad thing with emotional abuse is like physical abuse. The bruises, the cuts, those will heal. The interior abuse, bruises, the interior cuts, those are gonna stick around a really long time, and they're gonna come out in different ways that we're not even aware of, and those stick with you. I mean, when when some can be when someone, justifying their bad behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone's sitting there telling you every single day that you're fat or you're ugly, then why would you want to get dressed up or nice? And even once they're gone, you're not going to believe it because what do they say? You hear it seven times or something, you believe it or something like that. I mean, if that's the one person you hold higher than anybody, the person that's supposed to be there for you and that person's telling you you're ugly or you're worthless every day. Because they're trying to make you feel that nobody else is going to want you because you're fat. Nobody else is going to want you because you're ugly. So you should feel lucky that they love you so much. And that's, that term is gaslighting. Yeah. They, making, they make you feel that, that that's how it is. Um, there's actually a movie called Gaslighting. Oh, really? And mm-hmm, it's actually, I watched it. It's kind of... <laughs> It's kind of like a an old, I think it's, is it Singapore? Korean, maybe? Mm. Like, they did it, but but it's it's like based, like, way back in the day where, you know, you had to do courtships. And, like, you couldn't, it was kind of a scandal just to, like, be with somebody, you know. Um, and, and in this movie, um, there's this woman. It starts out with this woman, and she's a really beautiful woman. Um, she's doing really well for herself. She had some. There were some things that happened in her childhood, but her um, this this guy who was really chasing after her. Like she went on this trip back to her hometown, and she left him at the train station. And when she got to her hometown, he was there because he just missed her so much. Oh, and and. And he had to stay with her and things like that. And they ended up like having a really wonderful time. And then they get eventually get married. And and basically he made her out to sound like she was crazy. And they call it gaslighting because what happened was the, the lights in their house would flicker. They, they, they go down. So it was gaslighting. Oh. And then they go up kind of like, so that's why it's called gaslighting, but I highly recommend it. It's really, um, insightful he he really made her like crazy like the other part that i've heard about like this this topic is where make you think crazy but they act like a completely different person around your family and friends your friends and family will love that person but then you know the minute that door is closed they look at you and speak meanly to you or start putting you down but in front of them they don't ever do that Yep, because exactly. you're the golden child, you know? Yep, exactly. And then because they don't, they want people not to believe you because they're telling you nobody's going to believe you. Right. And then, yeah. you know, we we all know someone. I, I pretty much bet everyone knows somebody who's been in an abusive relationship. And the first thing that comes to your mind is leave them. Just leave. You have two legs. Yeah. Just go. And I know. What I, I, I know and when I was in nursing school, they did this activity that the crisis center at the school came in and um, had the lady who was being abused stand in the front 
I mean, it wasn't the real person, just, you know, a symbol. And then they started talking about the reasons why they stay. And soon by the end of this exercise, they had every student up there. There was over 30 people up there. And it was the reasons why they stay. I mean, it could be financial reasons. She can't go because she doesn't have any money. She can't go because she loves him. She can't go because those that's a father to her kids. She's afraid of dying. I mean, there is so many reasons that we don't even think about that keep them there. And all of a sudden, we're just going... No, just leave. Just get out. Just get out that door. That's easier mm-hmm. said than done. Yeah, because and especially here, there's it's such a small town. Where are you going to go? Especially if they have your credit cards. They control all the money. You're not going to be able to get a hotel room. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so... Where can you go? Does anybody know that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so- So actually with that, that's where the crisis center comes in handy because um, the crisis center, um, they have, they have ways to help victims get out of these abusive situations. So they'll help you safety plan so they can, you know, is there anybody that you can talk to or go to? So maybe, maybe your partner has isolated you maybe to Modoc County. You're not from Modoc County. Your family is maybe in Texas or something. Um, so the crisis center has ways of being able to help. If they can't help you that way, they, they know where to send you, um, to get that help, to get you out. Um, how do you get a hold of the crisis center? So the crisis center has a 24 hour hotline that you can get a hold of. Um, and there's crisis centers all over, all over the United States that can help. Um, so if you have access to like a phone, um, they have, you can look up their number. I know they have um, a Facebook page for the crisis center that has their number on it. Um, and they also, um, they also usually do ads in the newspaper. They have things up places around the community and around, uh, around the county um, that have the crisis center's information. So if you're in Modoc County, you're going to look for the Modoc crisis center. And, and um, so we're how does the crisis center work? Do you like have to make a plan with them or can you say, Hey, I'm scared right now. I, you, can, you know, you can, you can just call them and so, you can just call them and talk to them if you need to about the situation. Um, I don't know what they're doing there right now with COVID. So I don't know if they're still like walk in, like if you just walked in the office um, or not. So that's something you'd have to, you know, kind of verify. Um, um, but they have ways to help keep you safe. So that way your abuser doesn't know where you're going to be. Um, and that they, like I said, they have a 24 hour hotline that you can just call them and be like, this is a situation. And then they can see what they can do to help, help you with that situation. Um, unfortunately, sometimes law enforcement is involved, um, which can escalate situations, but the crisis center has, has avenues that they can help get you um, to a safe place as long as they have, you know, availability and things. Um, so whether Which it's I can see would be how, hard because if they are telling, you know, if they're the golden child in front of everybody else and, but yet you, this is your way of getting out and then the law enforcement is involved. Like that's embarrassing. You don't want, you don't want anybody to know and then it's going to be in Modoc newspaper. It's going to be on the Facebook, you know, listings. 
and people are gonna be like what are you kidding you're like he he abused you no he didn't mm-hmm. you know so at the at the crisis center um everything is 100 percent confidential um so unlike like the da's um victim services ours is uh, our services at the crisis center there. Um, and also the one at Lakeview, our services are hundred percent confidential. Like I'm not going to give out your information to anybody. Like you have to sign releases for us to even be able to talk to like law enforcement or the DA or even a family member that knows that you came there. If you do not sign and, uh, and confidentiality, we can't talk to them. Right. And um, aren't you, good. you were also exempt from the mandated reporter, um, ruling also, correct? Correct. Yep. Correct. So, so really, you know, and, and going to the crisis center, we're not going to judge you. We are only there to help you. So when you go there, you know, we're there for you to, um, talk to, to help develop a plan, learn, um, you know, maybe learn just safety, uh, just safety plans, or maybe you want to fill out a restraining order and, and you don't feel comfortable doing it by yourself. And you want an advocate to be there with you when you go to court. Like that's, that's what the crisis center is there for is to help be there. Um, you know, we can't, as a, as a victim advocate, we can't go ahead and, and talk on your behalf because we're not lawyers and we can't give you legal advice, but we can definitely steer you in the right, in the direction of legal advice, if that's what you're looking for, or we can sit with you in the, in um, the courtroom when you're um, doing your restraining order. That way you don't have to sit there by, by yourself. So we'll be there with you um, every step of that, of that way. And Do they help you to find a place to live if you leave your significant other and you're homeless? Um, so it, typically, like if they if they've heard of something, they might give you they might give you numbers to call. Um, really, the crisis center is is we want to empower empower our survivors and victims of of abuse. abuse. We want to empower them. Um, so we will give you the tools to get out and and help yourself but we can't we're not we can't do it for you if that makes sense mm-hmm. um we're just we're a tool ourselves to help you know kind of that in between so you're out you come to us we give you um, information and tools to get out of there it's up to you to finally leave so or- if you're if you're thinking about it if you're you know working up the courage to leave a relationship that's abusive they should talk to you and start making a plan first. Yeah, they can start making it more smoothly. Yeah, they they can they can come in. So typically, um, there's a statistic. It's my favorite statistic. I have liked it ever since I started, and I found this st- statistic. Um, it takes a victim up to seven times before they either leave their abuser or they are dead. That's that's a, that's statistically. Um, and so, I mean, really you think about it, you're like, oh, that's a lot, but it's not at the same I time. I know somebody who left her go. husband several times and is still trying, you know, they're still in the process. And she named several numbers like that. I yep. don't know if well, it's seven yet, but holy cow. Yeah. So, so seven's just a average statistic, yeah. but, um, you know, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of planning to get out because depending on the severity of the situation, um, as you said, maybe you don't have the money to do it. 
And so you're like, what do I do? I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. I don't have a job. I'm not allowed to work. I'm not allowed to even talk about possibly getting a job. Um, or maybe you have a job, but your person, your abuser's like, where are you? Your job ended 10 minutes ago. It only takes you five minutes to get home. Where are right. you? Or they control your money. Yep, exactly. So, sorry. Or Ugh. or it's your children. They say, you know, or they I'm, use your children I'm against use you. your kids. Yeah. And, yeah. and being in Alturas, you know, there are safe houses, correct, Ella? Yes. But beyond the safe house, I mean, Alturas is small. So once you're out of the safe house and you're trying to get a place, like there is the restraining orders, but you know, you hear a lot of stories about those restraining orders not working out. And a lot of time in these physical relationships, it doesn't stop. It escalates. And sometimes it escalates to murder. And a lot of times when you're pregnant, um, domestic violence escalates significantly when you're pregnant and goes to murder when you're pregnant. Wow. Wow. So well, you know, I, I can I totally believe that because you know my hormones were raging when I was pregnant and it made it made our fights so much worse and so I can just imagine if you're in a relationship that isn't healthy already how how bad it can get mm-hmm. well and there's so, a lot there's a lot of attention being taken away from the partner placed onto the mom when she's pregnant or even postpartum when now the baby is getting all the mom's attention that can really affect the husband, Mm -hmm. the boyfriend, husband, and it can escalate then too. Yeah, exactly. So, so really like if you know somebody that's trying to leave or planning to leave, maybe, you know, like really just letting them know that you're not going to place any judgment. Like sometimes when, if somebody comes to you and is like, you know, Hey, I'm just going to say, you know, Joe blow off the street, you know, really my boyfriend, he is hitting me and you don't see any marks. I don't see any marks or that he strangled you or, you know, things like that, but you're not, see- you're not seeing any marks that you're on your friend. And they're saying this really, it's important to believe them because it takes a lot of courage for somebody to make that step to say, Hey, this is happening. Um, so, you know, if somebody comes to you with that, you know, refer them to the crisis center, maybe let them use your phone because that way their abuser can't track your phone. Right. Because you know, maybe, maybe their abuser is, you know, with the apps and everything now on your phone, you can listen in on conversations. Like you can do crazy things with the internet and, and your phones and technology. And so maybe letting your friend use your phone or, you know, something like that, getting them in touch, maybe, maybe drive your friend. So that way their abuser, you know, isn't part of that. So really just being, being there for your friends is important um, and getting them in touch with a victim advocate of the crisis center. Um, because with that, that's going to open a whole bunch of new avenues for, for this survivor or victim. Um, and one of the, Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. One of the things that, um, cause I was, you know, curious with having my, own daughters and stuff like on how to test out a relationship early on um, to see, you know, to, to what to look for and everything. One of the things that I saw was that they could tell that the person that they're dating, no, like 
okay, you guys have been going on a date every single night or you guys are seeing each other every single day. One day just say, no, I'm sorry, I'm busy tonight. Yeah, and exactly. see how that, how, see how they respond, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you can, you can do that, see how they respond. If they respond aggressively or, or, you know, just kind of still pushing, it's up to your daughter to be like, you know, hey, I, this, I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah. And that if they happen. start, if they start texting you or saying like, oh, well, if tonight's not good, well, let's see each other tomorrow or the next day or the next day, or they get like super crazy about it. Like that's kind of a sign, right? To, that they're yeah. going to be controlling and not. Yeah, that can definitely be a warning sign. And it, it, it definitely opens up um, an avenue for conversation between for your daughter and her boyfriend to have that conversation. And at that point, it might even be important for the parents to step in and be like, hey, like this isn't okay. Like, you know, if they don't want to do this, you don't have to do this. And then that also shows like your child that you're, you're in it with them. Like you, you are there to support them. And so if something does happen with that, they'll feel more comfortable to talk to you about it. Um, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe that other person doesn't realize they're being so controlling either because maybe that's how they're, they were raised or what they've observed. And you so, think it could also be because they're so young? Like a lot of these relationships are in high school. And I look back at relationships from when I was in high school and I was mean. Like I was telling Jennifer earlier today, if I was not happy in a relationship, instead of just saying like, hey, it's over, I'm sorry. Like I would be mean to them, hoping that they would break up with me. And looking back, like that was a really immature way to do it. But I also was kind of chicken. You know, I didn't want to have that serious conversation. I didn't want to sit down and be like, sorry, I'm breaking your heart right now. So I was just Mm -hmm. mean. And so I kind of feel like in a sense, I might have been an abuser. (laughs) But um, like, I just feel that the, the you're young. And you just don't know how to have these conversations. You don't know how to to talk without throwing a temper tantrum because essentially you're still a kid. Right. And well, I think exactly. I think that's when like, you know, parents, this is another thing that the parents really have to demonstrate a role model, you know, appropriate relationships. Like Mandy, did you ever see that at home where um, someone would, if they ended a relationship, friendship, anything, how they did it. Okay. Uh, yeah, my mom was cheated on (laughs) and found out about it. He also didn't tell her, I think, you know, I think that's exactly, you know, he treated her like crap and she just put up with it. And then one day he left, you know, didn't, didn't break up with her or nothing, just left. Right. And I I don't know. Yeah. I really didn't have good, a good relationship to look at either. Well, that's, that's kind of sounds like that's what you were doing. Like, in high school, like that was, you saw that happen. It was just easier that way. Cause then you don't have to deal with the, the crying and the emotion and you can just be unattached that way. But, um, you know, it's, it is important to know that, that, that other person does have feelings. Um, and, and it's a hard conversation to have, but it's an, it's an important one to have. Um, and that'll also, it kind of, you 
know, as adults, we were going to set that platform for our children. So us having those conversations and those difficult conversations with our children is important because that will show them uh, the right way to have a conversation. Because there's times I've even caught myself like, you know, my daughter's doing something she's not supposed to be doing. And I've told her, I don't even know, I'm two million times, don't do it. And by like that last time, I'm like, I told you no. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that, like being mindful of that, like that's how she is going to approach situations mm-hmm. and other people. So at that point, like I'm like, you know, I will take most of the time it ends up you're grounded. And, this, and then I have that conversation like this is why you're grounded. This is why I told you not to like so so I can say like you're grounded. But then we have that conversation um, to know why or it, or if I'm upset with my child and she's getting, you know, my daughter is getting disciplined for some reason. I want her to know why that's happening. So in me doing that, I'm hoping to instill that, you know, if she's like, I'm really tired of this person, this person's not who I thought it was, they were, that she can have that difficult conversation and, you know, let them down as easy as possible, but without compromising herself. Right. Um, so, so, you know, just really showing, showing that. And I know like the relationship that my daughter's dad and I had, wasn't it wasn't all good we fought a lot and sometimes a lot of the times it happened in front of her and I just got to that point I'm like you know what I'm teaching my daughter that this is a healthy relationship when it's not I'm not happy he's not happy but neither of us really know how to like say that um and so it comes out in these little fights and I was expecting things um and he was expecting things and things just weren't going well and so when I ended that, things ended pretty, pretty messy because at that point I was just done. But um, like now I have a new boyfriend and we've been together about a year and he's completely different. We have that open communication. We have that, that, you know, I'm having a bad day. Please don't talk to me right now. I'll talk to you when I'm ready. I never get pressured to talk to or, you know, like sometimes he'll just come up and give me a hug and just be like, you can talk to me if you want to, you know, thing now. So, so I went from, from fighting when things weren't okay. Cause I, I just didn't know how to communicate or, or we weren't understanding that to now we're understanding. So she's, I'm hoping to instill that. And then I'm, you know, with the teaching her, you know, this is why you're in trouble and having those conversations that are hard as an parent to have, because sometimes we just lose our mind and, and so, you know, also being like, hey, I'm sorry, like that wasn't all right for me to do to you. I'm sorry that it, I, you know, if I made you feel sad. Or, yeah, it's okay to let them know that you made mistakes as a parent too. Right. And I think parents don't do that enough with their children. So they're like, you know, certain things like they break down, mm-hmm. like spilling a glass of milk. You know, it was an accident. And sometimes we were like, you know, I've caught myself being like, why did you do that? Like, be more careful. And it's like, hey, just, you know, just clean it up. You're fine. Right. Kind of kind of things. So as parents, we, we may, and, and sometimes not even as parents, like, I know, like, my friends' children, like, I'm like the second mom to them. I'm not their mom, but I'm like second mom. Um, and I want to make sure that my my relationships and things, because I'm part of, of how they're going to, to be in life. And so if maybe they're having a hard time talking to their mom, I want them to know that they can come talk to me. 
I'm not necessarily going to tell their mom everything because I don't want to, to break that trust between us, you know? So just making sure that any of the children in your life or people in your life that you're being a role model to just being open about that. Like, this is how this makes me feel. How do you feel about things? So um, being open. I actually have to get my kids from Awana's. Yeah. Um, we need is to there any closing um, thoughts, Ella, that you have? Um, mostly just, I would definitely, if you have any sort of, of um, doubts in your relationship or, or things like that, I would definitely go onto that loveisrespect.org. They have a healthy relationship quiz that you can just do right there. And it's going to tally up all your stuff and tell you, you know, what warning signs um, you kind of have to look out for. Um, it also has other things on setting boundaries and it has information on um, like the power and power and control wheel, things like that. So it's a really big wealth of information that not only teens can use, it's based for teens, but adults can use it as well. And I would definitely um, look at that. And if you know somebody who is in this situation, please get them in contact with, with your local crisis center or, you know, um, somebody that can help and, and, and believe them if they tell you something's going on. That way they have somebody for support for themselves because it's really important um, to get out of these situations, to have somebody who supports you and believes you and does not pass judgment on, on you kept going back kind of thing. Right. I think we need to, as a community, as friends, as family, to be a support system. Don't re-victimize them and just support them even if they go back or they don't leave at all. And just know, like, let them know that you love and care about them no matter what happens. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you, ladies, for being on here. And it's been wonderful. And I hope somebody got something good out of this. And it's Valentine's Day. And we all love that you guys have listened to us and continue to listen to us every week and um, have a wonderful, great Valentine's Day with your healthy relationships. And um, have a great week. Mandy, I will see you next Um, week. Yes, good luck on um, all of your tests and everything. I hope everything turns out great. And um, we'll see you face-to-face next Wednesday, right? That's right. And next Wednesday's all tobacco right. vaporing. Woohoo! Oh, are we going to have a, another guest next week? Yes, Mr. Bill Hall. Woo! Awesome. Mm-hmm. He was my, um, my gimpy friend this summer. We both... Uh, <laughs> He got his footwork done. He got to he got to have a cool little roll around cart though. But um, he he was angry with me. He told me, "I'm pretty sure that you're the reason that I didn't get my operation on time." Oh. <laughs> uh, so so we had a lot of fun with that with our injuries. <laughs> oh, we so. did not do the wheel, the winning wheel. Mandy, will you uh, call a winner and we'll put it up on our. Um, Yes, I will. Um, uh, Darn it. Yeah, I was going to do that live, but this is a really long podcast. I hope you guys all didn't lose interest in this. Um, Hopefully next week it'll be a little bit, a little bit more upbeat, more fun, more, less, uh, less sad. Yeah. (laughs) It was pretty sad, but it's definitely an educational topic that we need to know. Yes. And support our support our people, support our community, men, women, everyone. It can happen anywhere. All right, thank you, Ella, and uh, all right, bye. See you guys next week.
Bye.